before I even begin. I cannot preach on today's gospel text without first naming the way it has been misused to cause harm and pain to so many. Matthew 18, 21 to 35 has been used to tell women and men to tell people who have been abused to forgive their attacker. It has been used to keep people trapped in relationships that are incredibly harmful. These words have been used as an excuse from institutions not to have consequences for predators in their midst. It has been used by people that I know in attempts to shame me into being in relationships that are deeply harmful to my emotional well-being. These words on forgiveness from Jesus have been distorted and used in all kinds of harmful ways. This isn't supposed to be about that, though. This is about being forgiven by God for all of our failures, our mistakes, for our sins, and sharing that relationship of grace with others. We are often reminded that Jesus tells us to love one another as ourselves. And it's necessary whenever this text comes up to remind ourselves that we deserve love and safety and to be free from harm, whether that be physical, emotional, spiritual, or financial by those that we are in relationship with. Forgiveness without a heartfelt apology from the other person is always possible, but it often means an end to the relationship as it once was before. And we'll get more into that. Our gospel text today is really all about forgiveness, right? With a parable about how great God's forgiveness is and how even when we receive all this grace and forgiveness The reality is our own humanness in us can still lead us to fail, to share that forgiveness, to have that same kind of compassion for others. This is a direct continuation of last week's reading about what to do when someone sins against us. I recommend highly that if you haven't uh, watched it or heard it, that you go back to last week's video to listen to Chelsea Globe uh, and her message on this te- on that text from last week for us. Um, she did a wonderful job, and I'm so grateful for good colleagues. Um, Thinking about last week and this week, and maybe it's because I was sick last week and so I didn't get a chance to preach on that first part of this conversation Jesus is having with his followers, but there kind of seems to be a link missing for me. Throughout last week's reading, Jesus talks about what to do when a sibling sins against you. You let them know in a myriad of ways, hoping that they will listen. Jesus doesn't say that they apologize or that they ask for forgiveness or that they've repented from their um, hurtful or sinful uh, actions, but we kind of read into it that that's what that means, right? And maybe that's wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that, but it's hard for us to hear that someone has hurt someone else and the whole purpose is to get them to listen. Because if you actually really listen, and hear that you've hurt someone, how can you not apologize, especially when it's someone that you care about? If you've really heard how that person has been hurt, how can't you apologize? How can you just ignore that? And so I've been thinking a lot about this, about forgiveness and apologies and 
pain and hurt and relationships. Um, and I want to say that, of course, we can forgive someone who is unapologetic. Because forgiveness is about our heart. It's not about their heart or their decisions. It's about our heart and what we do with the hurt that they've put on us. So, of course, we can let go of the pain and hurt in our hearts that, that person has caused. But sometimes that's not always so easy, especially with really serious trauma and violence. But if this is something that we want to let go for our own sake, which is a totally valid way to, to look at forgiveness, uh, we can, but often we have to sort of move on from that relationship. We can forgive and let go of the resentment we might be holding, but that doesn't mean that we have to then let that person continue to harm us. It often means that if that person can't hear what's happening and what's hurting, some new boundaries end up having to be get, having to get placed pretty seriously. And so I've been thinking a lot about this with last week's reading and today's, and I think for Jesus, it's all about trying to bring us into relationship with one another and then relationship with him. It's about mutuality. We know in the Lord's Prayer, we say the petition, forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven others. And forgiveness can't occur in a mutual way with a path forward in relationship without wholehearted apologies and healing for the pains and hurts that have occurred. That pain and hurt will always come back if you maintain the same relationship without actually opening up and being vulnerable about what has been done and what needs to be done. So you all know, because I talk about her at least a couple times a year, Brene Brown is probably one of my favorite authors um, of our time. She is uh, a shame researcher. So her all of her work has to do with vulnerability and shame and how we can live wholehearted lives. And the key to that is vulnerability. And now, right at the start of this pandemic, Brene started a podcast called Unlocking Us. And it is... It is a shining light. One of the episodes early on, Brene talks with Harriet Lerner. Now, I don't know if you know her, but she wrote The Dance of Anger and most recently, Why Won't You Apologize? Highly recommend her work. Brene names that during the time of quarantine, she finds herself apologizing a lot more, especially with her family, which I can relate to. And as we blessed our young students and parents and teachers today. I am also painfully aware of the newness of this last week, trying to support kids at home with teaching online, with parents staying home and trying to manage their own workloads. And so with all of this, even if we're not necessarily apologizing more, I wonder if maybe we can be invited into this work into this work of wholehearted relationships and wholehearted apologies as we talk about forgiveness today. Brene begins the first of the two episodes where she talks with Harriet Lerner, introducing Harriet and her work and their work together. And she quotes Harriet right away saying, the words, I'm sorry, 
if you love other people and you want to tend to relationships are probably the most important words. I'm sorry. And Brene admits herself that she is terrible at apologies. Brene reminds us that we're human, we hurt each other, we get hurt. We're human, we hurt each other, we get hurt. But there's a way through that. And that way through depends on the ability to deliver and to accept a powerful apology. A heartfelt apology allows us to let go of our resentment, anger, and pain. It allows us to find some emotional safety within a relationship. And really, it validates the reality of our hurts and our feelings. And there is nothing worse than a bad apology. At worst, it can lead to a complete end in a relationship. It can leave a silent rift in the relationship. It can hurt people even deeper than the original sin that occurred to cause the need for an apology in the first place. And even in the best of circumstances, it leaves the person who's been hurt wanting and feeling as if their feelings are not valid in that relationship. And we all know what bad apologies are, right? I don't have to give a bunch of examples. It's the kind of, I'm sorry you felt hurt by something I did. That wasn't my intention. Completely negating that the person is hurt, regardless of your motivation. I'm sorry I forgot that you're really sensitive about that, which is something that women get a lot than I've gotten. And I am less, personally, whenever I've gotten that sort of response, I am less upset or hurt by whatever comment has come before or will come after this, but the accusation of sensitivity, that hurts even more. <laughs> and there's always the simple, I'm sorry, but. I'm sorry, but I didn't know. I'm sorry, but I didn't think. I'm sorry, but. Putting a but in the apology negates it. And so I want everybody to just try this little exercise with me this morning. Take a moment to think about a bad apology you've received. How did it make you feel? And then how did that relationship move forward? Did it move forward? Do you still think about that moment? Have you just forgiven and let go and hoped that things would be better? I hope that they're better. And so the other part of this exercise is now, I want you to think about a bad apology you've given. A bad apology you've given to someone else. That's a hard one, right? We don't really want to admit that we've given these bad apologies, but we all have in some way, shape, or form. So think about one of those instances where you maybe didn't give a fully wholehearted apology to somebody else that you hurt. Ask yourself why you apologized the way that you did. Was it about defensiveness? About fear of being wrong? What was coming up for you in those moments? What comes up for you now when you think about that, looking back 
on that relationship, on that apology, would you have apologized a different way? How did the other person respond? How might they have felt? And then how has that relationship moved since? And it's easy for us to maybe sit in those regrets or sit in those hard places and only see that. And I wanna just affirm, we all have done both. We have all received bad apologies. We have all given bad apologies. We have all probably been unapologetic when we've hurt somebody else. It's part of the humanness of us, right? As Brene says, we're human. We hurt each other. We're hurt by others, right? It's a horrible part of our humanity is sometimes we just don't think. And this is really hard stuff. This whole conversation around sin and forgiveness and apology, this is about vulnerability and also a lot of shame that we hold in ourselves. This is about trying to be something that is not necessarily natural for us. This is about leaning on Jesus and God for the strength and the courage to be vulnerable in moments when we've been hurt and when we've hurt others. And we don't really talk about the importance in relationships that apologies and vulnerability and forgiveness play, but Jesus knows it, which is why he spends so much time in Matthew chapter 18 talking about sin and forgiveness also throughout the whole Gospels, but especially right here. And with everything going on in our world today, we are home a lot more. And like Brene and her household, we're apologizing to each other a lot more. Little things like forgetting to switch over the laundry to larger things like snapping at one another because we're trying to figure out something. And we have all kinds of excuses, but sometimes it happens, right? Greg and I are mostly good at trying to uh, learn from the work that Brene has done, uh, particularly in her book on parenting that we listened on audiobook to together when we first um, knew that we were having Hadley. And she talks a lot about a wholehearted apology within a family unit as a really wonderful way to maintain trust, to validate feelings, and to move forward. And so we're mostly good at that. Although, like all of us, we are sometimes guilty of the I'm sorry that you're upset, or I'm sorry that you feel that way, or I'm sorry I bumped your head, but have I mentioned that this work is hard? But we try. We try to apologize with our whole hearts to one another, and even to Hadley when we've caused some kind of hurt or disappointment. Bedtime does not tend to come with a lot of apologies for anyone, though. That's something that we're still really working through. But when we really do apologize, we invite one another to respond, I forgive you or thank you. And that's really hard too. For little things, we're so programmed to say, it's okay, don't worry about it, it's fine. We're so programmed to say the kind of response of, don't worry, it's fine, it's okay, that we kind of leave that even for big things. But all of those are deflections. All of those are ways for us to move forward with small little rifts in our relationships without actually having to be vulnerable about what's happened. 
And as a three-year-old, Hadley is definitely still practicing her wholehearted apologies. And like any of us, she'll probably be practicing her whole life. Sometimes she can really understand that she's hurt me by playing rough and accidentally, you know, kicking me in the face. It's not great. And so I, you know, say, oh, ow, that really hurt. And she'll hold this emotion of my hurt with me and she'll apologize and hug me. And we talk about how we can avoid feet in my face next time. Other times when we're playing and she gets a little bit too rough, her response to me saying, ow, Hadley, that really hurt is, but it's funny, which is, it's not, mind you. And then my other favorite is, sorry, like, it's a, a funny game that she kicked me in the face and my glasses fell off. We still have some work to do, right? All of us in our household are working to live more wholehearted lives, and it's really not easy. And especially when we come to this, not just as an individual family unit, but a church family, or the family of God, there's a lot of us there, right? And I highly recommend the works of Harriet Lerner or Brene Brown or both if you want to grow more around these issues because we have a lot of growing to do. We often want to believe that we are not like the servant in Jesus' parable. That if we received the kind of debt forgiveness he received, we would spread that goodness and grace around and share that gifts with others. But the truth is, we might want to. We might try. We might be doing all the work to lead wholehearted lives and truly be in grace-filled relationships with one another, but we're human. We hurt each other. We get hurt. And we don't always listen when we've hurt someone else. We don't always apologize wholeheartedly. We don't always forgive 70 times, 70 times. But... For all of our failures, for all the times we've given half-hearted apologies, for all the times we haven't forgiven from our hearts, for all our sin and brokenness and humanness, Jesus still hears our pleas, our pleas for forgiveness, for grace, for strength. Jesus still knows our hearts, and Jesus still goes to the cross for you and for me to forgive us our greatest debts against God and one another. Jesus dies and rises from the dead because he knows how we've been hurt, how we have hurt others, how we have failed, and Jesus still loves us and still wants to move forward with us in true and grace-filled relationship. That's the love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. Jesus does all of this so that we can share that forgiveness that we have been given, so that we can know that our hurts, our pains, our emotions are valid, and we can give the gift of seeing one another, listening to one another, and being in relationship with one another with our whole hearts as a church family, as a family of God, as a family reaching out into the world to share this grace, so that during this difficult time, as we might find ourselves apologizing more, we can use this time to work on our relationships with one another and those outside our church family, building connections and foundations so that the grace and peace of Christ might be shared through us, throughout our community and our world. Thanks be to God.
Amen.